0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Post 20 Podcast. You're now listening to episode 168 of the show. Uh, Things are starting to get back to normal, but my name is Evan. I'm joined as always by my co-host Matt. What's going on?
1: Uh, A historic moment in our lives and and, uh, we'll be telling the story for generations to come. Leo Messi finally wins his World Cup, his, his swan song, his last one ever. Uh, last dance all the different titles you want to give it you finally did it Uh, it's incredible to see and it couldn't have been any crazier of a game for four billion people to see
0: no I mean it was truly this is the world stage that is what they call it Um, and that's that's exactly the sort of game that we got it was the best final World Cup final I have seen in my life there's no question about it and probably a top three you know sporting uh event that I've ever not event but a sporting match that I've ever watched you know it's up there with like maybe the Eagles Super Bowl or the Phillies in 2010 and Tiger coming back and winning in 2019 that like this is right up there. It might, it might, it could very well be number one. This was everything you could ask for in a World Cup final, um, and and much much more. So I mean, still in shock and all about it, to be honest.
1: Yeah. So the last time we were talking about here, we were going into the semifinals with Argentina beating Croatia three nil. Uh, this was a game a lot of people thought would be closer after what Croatia did to Brazil, keeping it close and really um, foiling their plans the entire game. But Argentina made it look too easy for them. Just very clinical, up 2 nothing at the half. Croatia did hold most of the ball, but that was after Argentina already did their damage. And uh, Julian Alvarez, breakout player for them this tournament, four goals. Um, young star there, just got picked up from Man City in the summertime, so it'll be interesting to see if his role has changed whatsoever come uh, next week when we pick up again the Prem.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's crazy. This Argentina side, um, Messi is the only player from their last World Cup run uh, that is still in the side, and so many of their young players, uh, McAllister, Alvarez, Fernandez, all guys that just played an unbelievable World Cup with essentially everything weighing down on them. So um, when we get back to club football, which is soon, you know, only a couple of days now at this point, uh, it will be interesting to see how the roles of those players sort of switch, because I think, you know, like you mentioned, it, it's definitely something that will probably happen.
1: Yeah, so a, young, well, a guy for a young player the tournament was Guardiol. Yeah, it was awesome. He was a stand-up player for them, 20 years old, Leipzig. Uh, scored in their third-place match, but it wasn't meant to be. All that experience came to an end here, and I wouldn't say it was a disappointing result, or not result, but overall tournament. They get to the final and the previous one, and then they make it to the semis, and... Finished third place, beating Morocco two one. It was a a result that I think a lot of people didn't see coming. I listened back to uh, an old episode of ours where we were our early takes on things before any we were anywhere near the tournament starting. So we weren't too sure on Croatia being able to go back, but we were confident in their experience as a team and that their big players would drag them through this tournament, and they did. and Mm-hmm. the goalkeeper as well in uh Lvo- was a, a definitely a big player for them who I'm sure will get looks in the future uh, at the club level but yeah it was a good showing from them and Argentina mm-hmm. beat them handily and then in the other semi we saw France 2-0 over Morocco um the the Cinderella story ended here uh and France, in the fifth minute, we saw a nice little scissor kick from Teo Hernandez stepping in for his brother Lucas, who uh, had a massive knee injury early in the tournament. So he gets rewarded there, and then a substitute in uh, Kolo Mouani gets the the second to end it. So Morocco did all they could. They had more injuries here, and uh, they tried their best. Um, Wasn't this the game that their goalie, like came out in the lineup for the national anthem and then just didn't even play. Or am I thinking of the third place game?
0: No, it must've been the third place game because he played Bono played in this game.
1: Yeah. So, um, they didn't have just like in the Argentina, Croatia game, Morocco had more of the ball, but they couldn't really do much with it. Cause France were just too dominant with the play. Mm-hmm. No Mbappe on the score sheet here, but just him alone being on the field takes a lot of attention away from the other players. So uh, a handily result that uh, we definitely saw coming here.
0: Yeah, and you know what? Uh, to to speak about Mbappe quickly, obviously he had an unbelievable tournament. Like, just so good. Really, really impressive stuff from somebody as young as he is. Uh, we know how talented he is, but talking and watching with people who don't normally watch uh, football at all, either international or even at the club level, they were shocked how many defenders Mbappe draws and they were like he you know it takes three defenders to lock him down and you just have to you just have to tell them like just wait wait till he gets to full speed or wait till he's starting to cut in and you'll see you'll see why it takes three average defenders to lock him up because he is so fast he is probably a top five in terms of speed on and off the ball in the world. I don't even think that's a question. Um, and then his foot skills and finishing added on top of it. Like, he's so threatening. You have to put three defenders on him, especially if they're not world-class. Like, you know, Hakimi is good and so is Masurawi, but the rest of these guys are pretty slow uh, on this Moroccan team. So I think, like, i I really did watch a lot of the tournament with people who don't watch a ton, and it was nice because they start to see, like, why some of these players are the the most talented athletes in the world. And I think in a tournament like this where you're, you know, a lot of the agendas come to fruition, like Messi being the goat or Mbappe being the best young player in the world, like this sort of stuff really does prove it a lot of the times. And it was nice that we got to see some of those agendas fully fleshed out. And we understand why, why these guys are, are so important for the sport. So yeah, it was cool. And I'm glad, to be honest, that Morocco went went down so easily here. They they are not a good team. They probably didn't deserve to be here in the first place. They play very boring. Uh it's very hmm. It's very Burnley esque. Uh, I think you and I agreed on that. It's contain the ball, try and defend as a unit, and then get it to your gigantic striker. And France locked them up. They weren't able to do it. And I'm glad that they went home because there were much better teams that should have been able to get out of their groups and and I think would have played a more total football and really given teams a little bit more of a run for their money. So, congrats to Morocco, but you know you were never really going to win this one.
1: Uh, I think on the other side of the coin, there I think they served as an example to the world that any team can make a run yeah. in this tournament. That's I fair. think um some people that i've listened to on podcasts and seen on social media on twitter and all that it's making the point that the u.s can see themselves in that position too not accepting a round of 16 berth is not acceptable seeing teams like Morocco, as you're talking about making it this far in the tournament so i think going forward you can take things from the positive side of Maybe you don't have to play the cleanest of ball, or the most exciting to get here. And we've talked about that with international play. It's not going to be the prettiest because these players don't play with each other religiously um, unless they're playing for the same club or in the same league, seeing each other all the time. So it's a lot of hit or miss. It's uh, You need certain things to bounce your way a lot of the times for these teams uh, for it to go right. And it wasn't meant to be. So they dropped to the third place game uh, against Croatia, who... These two teams were in the same group uh, at the start of the tournament. Originally, it was a nil-nil draw, but Croatia 2-1 there. Bardio in the opener, seven minutes with a nice header. Uh, And then an instant reply there from Dari, 1-1. And then before the break, Orsic, young player there for them, gets a goal for the winner. Uh, Parasic definitely had a good tournament. One goal, three assists. Probably going to be his last one now. Be interesting to see if he can carry this form into back into the club side of things with Spurs. Uh, now that they're dealing with a couple injuries into their team, coming back with Nova Charleston, Bentacor, and um, Ben Davies is a bit of a game time decision. So they're kind of on a thin ice there, but a third place medal for them is, is definitely good. Second place and third for a team that nobody really thought was gonna, gonna do what they did back in 2018. So
0: yeah. I mean it, it's it's tough for Croatia because their midfield truly was one of the best, probably right out there with like Spain uh going into the tournament. Modric and Kovacic were really good and then we also saw like Brozovic and even um Lovren, who has played center back, but he gets a little bit more involved moving forward. Like those guys were all really, really good, and then their yeah. def- their defense was really, really good. It's just their offense with um, Kramaric and like Petkovic. We saw a lot of him. Perisic and Orsic, I thought were the two best players for them, honestly. And it's tough. It, it is really, really tough to. Um, Get something going and, and keep a steady scoring load when you don't have a true solid number nine. And we saw a lot of really solid number nines dominate uh at this tournament. I mean, I'm thinking of like Gakpo is not a true number nine, but he played there. He was really good. Uh Messi, not a number nine, but a striker, an attacking option, somebody that's going to be involved moving forward. Alvarez played that role for them too. You just have to have a really good couple of front guys. And France had it. Um, and and all the teams really, Brazil had it. Like those teams that were constantly scoring and grinding uh, had those players up top. And, and Croatia just didn't have it. It's, it's tough when you're getting service from Modric, who's probably the, if not the best, one of the best uh, center mids we've seen in the last decade. Uh not having somebody up there to sort of latch on to those just miraculous balls is really tough. So I think third place for Croatia is a very, very valiant result for them. I don't think they can be upset about that at all.
1: Yeah, should be interesting to see how many of these guys carry over into 2024 going into the next Euro cycle. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: I'm sure the manager is definitely going to be there again. And uh, for Morocco, they can definitely see some positives moving forward. Uh, Then we move into the final. Um, Opened it up in the 23rd minute. We got a penalty. Di Maria skinned Ousmane Dembele. Uh, Lazy tackle from behind. Penalty given. Messi buries it in the 23rd minute. Uh, And then later on, France really getting exposed in the middle of the park. Get caught out a bit. Nice team goal. Probably the best team goal of the tournament. Ends up with Di Maria A sweat across the box, uh, bounces it over Lloris. We go into the half 2 0. All signs are pointing towards Argentina here, being the favorite going in. It didn't look like France was going to do anything. They did make two late changes here uh, in the first half, taking Giroud and Dembele off. Uh, I guess before getting into the second half, what was your first half analysis and what did you think of the drastic changes from Deschamps?
0: I mean, I just think like. France looked mega flat going forward. I think that you have to try and change something up. Giroud is not a pacey guy. He's just a finisher. So if you're not getting those cutting runs in from Debele and Mbappe, then it is really tough. So I think just to kind of like let Mbappe run the show, take Giroud off, take Griezmann off, and sort of get rid of some of the congestion up there was a good choice. Colin came on. He's a much faster player. Kingsley Coman, same thing, really quick. So I think that was a good, you know, really good change of pace. Uh we know that Mbappe had a hat trick. We know that those goals were pretty late, but it did pay off. I don't think you could really blame Deschamps. I think it was it was the right call. Um he stuck, you know, he stuck to his guns. He when he was when he was in front of the gun, like he said, Okay, let me, you know, let me sort of run this team through the best player, second best player in the tournament, second best player in the world probably at this point uh with Mbappe and I just I do think that that was a good call and I you know they got really close <laughs> by doing it.
1: Yeah they put uh Throm out there as yeah. well as Kolo Muani as you mentioned play Mbappe in a central role getting him more touches on the ball uh being more of a nuisance. Uh second half came Argentina kinda sitting back uh letting it their foot off the pedal.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh a young manager in uh Sioni. C- 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 just didn't have the tactics to end the game right. It was a mere image of the quarterfinals against the Dutch. They're up 2-0. And 80th minute came. Penalty for France. Mbappe steps up, buries it. No more than 30 seconds later. Nice little interchange of play between Mbappe and Thuram. Sets him in. A uh, great volley past Martinez. It's 2-2 at this point in the 81st minute. We go into the end of regulation and all the momentum has swung to France. Yep. So what was your thoughts going into extra time here with the huge momentum shift?
0: I was a bit worried, but I will say that I just had a feeling the morning of that Argentina would pull it out. They'd win the game in penalties. And I knew going in to, to extra time that There was going to be a couple of chances for both sides. Like it wasn't going to be flat and extra time can be a really dead period. And it was for a majority of this tournament. We didn't see it be, you know, very fruitful. A lot of the times, just because these guys are running at full clip for 90 minutes. And in a final, especially you're giving everything and they were up and they thought they were going to win the game at regular time. So you would expect there to be some brick concrete legs. And there weren't, we got two goals in that period. Um, after Messi scored in the 108th minute, I was like, this is it. Like, it's time to crown him. We're we're ready to rock. But then (laughs) Mbappe scored another penalty. Another disaster happened. They scored and they went to penalties. And I knew, I knew Argentina would lift the cup and, you know, we all predicted it. So it was, I was confident that they'd be able to pull it out. It didn't go the way that I thought though.
1: Yeah, I mean Deshaun made all those changes, all those attacking changes, to just get them back to into extra time. So going 30 minutes with that attacking lineup, it was hard to think they wouldn't concede. And as you mentioned, Messi getting the rebound from Martinez's shot, which was probably the closest far decision of the tournament we saw, just on sides by maybe a finger, fingers length. Yeah. Um, and then that fortunate penalty for them with a handball in the box. Gives them that opening. Once again, Mbappe goes the same side from the first. Uh, earns his hat-trick. I think the second-ever player to score hat-trick in a World Cup final. The last one was uh, Hurst, Hurst from 1966, I think they said. Mm-hmm. So, um, definitely a moment to remember there. Messi with two goals. Mbappe with three. We go to penalties. They both make their opening penalties. Um our Mex- or was it? France scored first they were yep. shooting first, they won the flip so the psychological advantage you would think would go to France being first uh, then that second one, Komen stands on it saved by Martinez we knew he would make one uh, he's made multiple saves in this tournament winning in one shootout against the Dutch uh, Argentina make their second and then Shuameni misses the goal um what do you think of Martinez's tactics? He's we've known he we've known he done that he's done this in the past. He did it at the Copa America in 2021. Yeah. Uh he threw the ball completely away from Schumann. having to make him take an extra few seconds to get the ball and set it up and maybe
0: overthink for a little bit. What do you think of the mind games there and the gamesmanship? I mean there's a, a severe lack of gamesmanship. It's uh it's shitty. It's it's true shithousery, but I have a really tough time blaming him because it I think they were all doing it for Messi and I know that this is a Messi podcast and we've always thought that you know he's he's our greatest player he's easily mine um th- like that's what this whole tournament was for like it, it was for him it was for them to, to to collectively lift it but for Messi to get one have one over Ronaldo and you got to do it at all costs. It's it's definitely sort of a disgraceful way, you know, to to operate especially in a World Cup final where there's supposed to be uh respect between both teams, but I think that there was enough of that in the game, you know, by itself. So people are making a big deal out of it. I do think it's a bit disrespectful. I don't think there's a lot of good gamesmanship and good faith there, but um I don't know. I didn't have as big of a problem with it as maybe uh most of the media did.
1: Yeah. And then uh Montiel or Mont yeah, right, Montiel uh gave away the late penalty in the 118th. Yep. Becomes the winner, the hero, scoring the winning penalty, mm-hmm. uh winning the pens 4 to 2. Messi just drops his knees and everybody surrounds him. It's a a moment that everybody was so excited for um an end of a Historic career on the international stage. We'll, we'll leave it at that. He's got plenty of years to come. Um, he finally has that trophy. He wins the golden ball. Martinez wins the golden glove. Hits an all-time incredible celebration uh, on the stage. What would you think of that? He he puts the glove uh, right in front of his crotch, and he does a little... Th- a I, saw, I,
0: I saw that, dude. I don't... He's he's a weirdo. He really yeah. is a strange cat.
1: He is those South American guys are funky. He's really weird. Enzo Fernandez wins young player of the tournament um no more than 7 months ago he was playing on Argentina. Now yep. he plays for a unbeaten Benfica side in the Portuguese league. So he's going to be a hot uh prospect come next week and even the summertime, I'm sure.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh and then Mbappe wins the golden boot eight goals, I think the most in a tournament in a long time. Mm-hmm. Him and Messi tied for twelve. The record's sixteen. Mbappe's only twenty three. What's the what's the total on uh Mbappe once he's done? He's got at least three more World Cups in him, right?
0: Yeah, what do you mean? Like how many World Cups does he win?
1: No, I'm saying like his goal, Tally, like is the total at twenty five.
0: Uh, yeah, he probably eclipses that too. I, I, I can see Mbappe only getting better as time goes, and I can really see him like being a pure number nine eventually, too.
1: Yeah, and uh, not taking anything away from Argentina in the current time that we're recording this, but going forward now, no Messi. Yeah, What tough. is What does the future Argentina side look like?
0: I mean, it doesn't look great. Di Maria is probably done at this point. Yeah. Uh, you get another... Probably one more, two more World Cups out of Romero. Um, Martinez will be there for the next World Cup for sure. But Otamendi, another guy that's going to be gone. Ah, uh, this team doesn't look great, you know. Yeah. Without those guys, Alvarez is going to be your pure number nine. But um, I it's, think it's what I'm
1: just trying to say it's it's more on the attacking side. Just everything runs through Messi. Yeah. He had seven goals, three assists. He scored in every knockout stage game. He was integral to every important moment for them this year. Yeah. So I just think going forward, that's going to be an interesting thing. Yeah. You got to
0: like as your backup. To Messi. Yeah. That's uh, that's quite a. I, I am a Dib- DiBala truther. I do think he's good actually, but. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's quite a downgrade from the greatest greatest player ever. Now at this point to DiPaolo uh, to DiBala, it's it's a drop off for sure.
1: Yeah. And once again, I'm not trying to take anything away from right. the current moment. And it's a it's the first uh South American team to win the World Cup since two thousand two and any other nation besides a European nation winning it. So uh a great moment there going into the next one. Um what did you think about Qatar's last little thing they had to do? They put the little
0: I thought jacket that was
1: weird on Tanesi and kind of putting him in a spot where he can't really he doesn't want to make an incident.
0: Yeah, I thought that was fucking really strange. They they took, it sort of took some of the spotlight there, which I thought was weird. And the the ceremony when I was watching the ceremony, it was NFL Sunday, and we were just like getting ready to leave. But my brother and I wanted to watch it. We wanted to see him lift the trophy because it was important to both of us growing up watching him and and recognizing his greatness. We didn't want to miss that moment. And when they came out, like, shambled out with the like the shake, with the fuck, or whatever they're called, Amaris, uh, with that fucking weird-ass robe, <laughs> I was like, can you just let the guy lift the trophy, kiss the trophy in his shirt that he's been, w- in that shirt that means so much to world football, it means so much to him and his country and everybody from his country? Why do you need to put a black boxing robe on top of him? Like... It was just so out of place and so weird. Um, and then Salt Bay was there. Are you familiar oh, yeah. with Salt Bay?
1: Yeah, I just saw that. He needs—they
0: got a fucking body bag, him, dude. I don't understand why he was there at all. There's a picture of him holding. There's a picture of him holding the World Cup. That's it's like
1: in hand of Romero's hand.
0: It's it's so. That's so disrespectful to this trophy. You're only allowed to touch the trophy if one you are the the prime minister or leader of the country, which even that I don't I don't like that. If you haven't won the World Cup, you should not be able to touch that trophy. It's yeah. It is it means so much to be able to put your hand on that and say we won that. We're the best team in the world, not not the best team in Europe, not the best team in South America, the world. And for him to be grasping grasping that shit with his greasy, salty steak hands, it really rubs me the wrong way. It really pissed me off. That's a that's a big deal, and that it made me really fucking mad.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. Um, yeah. I guess two more things I wanted to touch on. On the CONCACAF side, overall review of how we did, um, that, that episode I mentioned earlier, talking back our early takes when I was asking us, I wanted our views on each team and what we thought they were going to do going forward. And, um, we thought Canada going into this tournament had a good, good underdog story and definitely could shake things up after such a good qualifying run, um, we thought the US could shake shake things up as well with their young team. Um a lot of good figureheads going forward and uh Costa Rica as well, we were kind of on them hitting the mark there with them with a dark horse team that can really take teams by surprise and I would say overall they did that. Yeah. in their group and then I think the most important one we were we saw it even 8 months ago on Mexico. We said this was probably the worst Mexican team we've seen in a long time. Yeah, we were we were sure that they were weren't secure up top. There was no vocal point going forward and the play overall wasn't there. There was just something missing about them. So I think that's one thing we can play. We could put our cap on proudly and say that we were we knew our region and of teams well going to this tournament.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> um, and then like a couple of other teams that I think we had nailed Japan. We had that, yeah we had that one pretty much right on the money. And then we all picked Argentina to win. So
1: Yeah, you had the final right. I looked back. You had Argentina, France on the final.
0: I had Argentina, France, uh but I, I sent it the other day in a group chat. I was like, Hey guys, look, you know, I I really know ball, but uh <laughs> but but look at everything else, literally everything else was wrong. yeah i know (laughs) it's crazy i had the final right but i had all the other teams wrong so i don't know what kind of percentile we would have been in uh or i would have been in for for picks correct but i don't think it would have been that great i know the final gets you some points but uh yeah what a what a fantastic another world cup in the books and i think the first one that we've had at post 20 right this was our inaugural world cup
1: yeah, definitely. It'll be brighter, brighter things, brighter, better things going forward. We got four years until, well, three and a half until the next one.
0: Yeah, and I mean It'll, that it, one. You, we're, you guys are going to get episodes from from right outside of uh, right outside of Lincoln Financial Field. You can hold me to that.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely with you there. We could probably pick out uh, one or two stadiums. Just we can go to all the games and then do yeah. a specific US talk. Yep um I really hope we can see at least one of the US's games. Me
0: too. I'll I'll make sure. I mean, it's a bucket list thing. I I don't I don't see there being you know any other unless I die in the next three years. I don't let's really.
1: So let's, let's, let's hope not. Nobody does here. Yeah. Um. So yeah. I guess last thing was this the best World Cup you ever seen? <sighs> Out of all the ones you've seen, you've seen you've seen four or five now.
0: I don't know, man. That's that's a really tough question. It's it was a really important World Cup because of Messi. That's what the whole thing was for me. It was seeing, you know, who I think is the greatest player of all time win. Like that that really does escalate it. Um and it means so much. I mean, I was like I was watching on the golf course. I had tears in my eyes. It was just I don't know. It means a lot, you know, this this game that we dedicate so much time to and care about with all of our hearts, even though there's other sports that I care deeply about. This is something different. It's, it's truly, you know, the, the greatest game on earth. It's played everywhere. And I have a tough time saying it's my favorite World Cup because of all of the other nonsense and bullshit that was around it. But yeah. Yeah, I think I think it would be fair to say that I enjoy the outcome of this one most. There were other tournaments that I enjoyed more, but I think that comes down to how old we were and the youth. I mean, 2010 South Africa was, I thought that was a really, really cool World Cup. But this one, uh, that's probably the best, yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm sure the next one will be our favorite, depending yeah, on how no, far the U.S. go.
0: No doubt. Even if they don't, I think it's just going to be... It's a fever, you know? It's it's World Cup fever. People that don't care about this game get so fucking amped up for it, and it's great because for that little bit of time, they realize, like, oh, that's, like, that's why people watch this. And that feels good. It, it makes you feel a little bit vindicated, you know?
1: Yeah, that final couldn't have been a better... A better game for any any normal person to watch to see why the game is the game
0: yeah and if i had a dollar for every time i heard if every game was like that i would watch every game like
1: if every game was like that i think i would literally have no fluids or anything in my body i it wouldn't just, have be, any be hair yeah. i wouldn't
0: have any hair i would have like crippling drug addiction and I would just be pissing and shitting myself at every moment because like it's just it's fucking crazy. I'm glad yeah. that we have nil nil draws to sort of offset it because like you can't appreciate a game like this when every game is like that right it's the same thing no. with it's the same thing with football people want to yeah. act like you don't get shitty football games or shitty baseball games um. You know, you want to take the the AFC Divisional round matchup last year, which was Chiefs-Bills end-to-end constant nonstop action for, you know, an overtime period and four quarters and compare it to, you know, any Bengals fucking Cardinals, which was like 16-3 this week. Like, the difference is night and day, and the special games don't mean as much when you don't have shitty ones to compare it to, so... I've I've always hated that argument, but it is good to see people sort of get up for stuff like this. It's, it's nice to see in the States.
1: Yeah. So we'll close the book on the 2022 world cup and we will reopen the 22, 23 premier league campaign book. Um, So where we left off record wise, if anybody needs a reminder more so for ourselves, record wise, Evan right now is in last. He's 69 and 77. I'm in second with 71 and 75. And Zach is leading the pack 72 to 74. So not a bad spot from the last time I checked. I thought it was worse than I I remembered. But a lot of different things. We have a lot of players with injuries. There's definitely going to be certain players that will be off for the first couple games that we probably won't see due to a much-needed holiday, especially for those later teams. But getting into these predictions, we got 10 games. We're going to have seven on Boxing Day. We'll have two on the following day on Tuesday, and then there's one on Wednesday. So big games to come back to. And starting off, we have Brentford hosting Tottenham here. Um, Where's our mind going for this?
0: Uh, My mind is going directly to a jail cell, which is where Ivan Tony will be spending the majority of the rest of his life. Yes. Yes. Um. Did you see that there was more violations? Thirty more violations for Tony in the time, uh, from the the beginning of the World Cup to the end. So I guess my man was ripping off group stage parlays or something.
1: Yeah, he is no different than us. He is a man <laughs> of the people.
0: Which I, I, th- I, you know, free him, free Pete Rose, free Ivan Tony. These are these are common working class men. Yeah, respect them. Uh, but so, my my mind for this game is directly to Tottenham. Uh, they've yeah. got some players coming off they've got Romero coming off a World Cup victory uh, they've got Lloris coming off a World Cup final, they've got Kane who belongs in a prison cell as well, but I'm sure we'll get up for the game, uh, and then Parasich, again, who had a great tournament, so I think they're going to get some guys back from injury Kulisevsky's ramped all the way up we're going to be missing Richarlison, but Suns yeah. had plenty of time to rest, I think Tottenham win this game pretty easily
1: Yeah, Zach agrees with you he thinks Tottenham as well um, the way Brentford sorry has been playing um, as the home team, they've been doing pretty good this year. They're a much better home team than they are on the road, picking up a lot more points and scoring a lot more points than they do, or goals, I should say, on the road. Um, they, they've only allowed seven goals when they're home, and when they're on the road, they give up 18. So Tottenham, on the other hand, do all right on the road. But I think this is going to be a draw. I think with the the loss over Charleston, that's a bit of an issue. Um, having Kulisevsky back is huge, though. He's a guy that um, before the World Cup was out for a lot and was much missed most uh, for the team. No Bens of core in the middle. He picked up a bit of a groin injury. He won't be back until the new year. So we're probably going to see Hoiberg and Basuma in the middle of the park. Basuma, I think, has only gotten a handful of starts and hasn't hasn't gotten off on. Hasn't gotten off on the best run for Spurs, but yeah, we'll see how he does here, given the a starting role. So I'm just gonna go with a draw here. I think the way Brentford's been playing lately is up and down. We know their most recent one was the the two one win over City, but without Tooney, it's definitely gonna be hard for them going forward.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, next game: Southampton versus Brighton. Uh, Brighton coming off. They've got they've got McAllister coming off that World Cup victory. They're coming into this game with some decent form. Um, I believe two wins, two losses, and a draw. So not in the worst shape, but not in great shape. They're coming up against a Southampton team who have three losses, a draw, and a win in their last five. Southampton in 19th, Brighton in 7th. I'm going to take Brighton. I think that they get this one pretty easily.
1: Uh, Zach's on the opposite end he's gonna go with Southampton we know Nathan Jones new manager after Ralph Hausen Ralph who left the they've been in a training cap in the middle East, training camp in the Middle East uh, for several weeks now had a couple friendlies um, their strengths pretty much full team they've gotten Kyle Walker Peters back from injury they will play today actually in the league Cup so we'll be able to see some of the guys get their match fitness back um i think livermento is finally making his return not today it's saying he'll be out for the league cup game so maybe they're resting him for this match in particular but i think it's just going to be a draw i think it's going to be tight there i'm still not sure sure on brighton attacking wise and this is usually where they dip in form a bit so i'm gonna go with a little draw here
0: all right fair enough um up next leicester city versus newcastle where you at on this one
1: I have Newcastle. It's kind of like Man City, the run they're in. I think they're in the best run of form out of all teams right now. That yeah. In their last eight games, Man City, Newcastle is first, tied on points with Arsenal. They've earned twenty-two out of twenty-four possible points. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting because Leicester are on the up and up. Yeah, um, they didn't have many players leave for the World Cup. Uh, very few, maybe just Tillemans. The only ones really coming to my head, but
0: I believe so. Yeah,
1: it's going to be. I think this is a statement game for Leicester playing at home, Um uh, looking at the stats here. They're a much better home team. Um uh, That's a lot. They're much better on the road. So at home, they've only earned eight points. Uh When on the road, they've earned nine. But it's it's early in the year still for this to be a major, major point of talking. But I think I think Newcastle here definitely with a. Uh, Cal there. Cal and is fit. They're slowly getting Isak back. Uh, the middle of the park is going to be good. Guimarez wasn't played very much in the World Cup, so no injuries with him. Uh, and the back line is still strong. So there's no doubt in my mind not to pick Newcastle.
0: All right, fair enough. Um, I have absolutely zero reason to pick a draw in this game, but I'm going to do so. Uh, I just am not sure that after this World Cup and everybody just taking this long-ass break that Newcastle are going to come back um, and pump teams the way that they were doing uh, right before the break. So I'll take a draw. I think Leicester will be in decent shape. I think Newcastle will probably look good, but I can see this being like a 2-2, like sweaty late draw where Leicester get a nonsense goal at the end. Yeah. Um, uh, go ahead.
1: Yeah, next we have your boys, your second team, Palace, hosting yeah. Fulham. Fulham coming back with uh, a few of their ma- major players from the tournament uh, in Mitrovic, Tim Ream, Anthony Robinson, all coming back here. Fulham in good form right now. They're ninth in the table and 19 points. Palace 11th also on 19 points. They're only separated by one uh, goal in the goal differential there. So where does your mind go here?
0: Um, Obviously, I want to take Palace because pretty much... Everybody from that team was home, but it was pretty much the same thing for Fulham. So I don't know. I usually when a result is like screaming at me for Palace to win, then it's not going to happen. But I'm just going to I'm just going to stick with them. I'll go with Palace. I think they can get a win here. They're not in a great spot in the table. They're in 11th, but I I think they could probably be higher than that. I think that they can get a win here and, and eclipse Fulham.
1: Yeah, uh, I forgot Zach also likes Newcastle in that last game we were talking about. And in this game, he likes a draw here. Uh, And then I'm going to go on the third end of it. I'm going to take Fulham here. I think they continue. Uh, Mitrovic coming off that World Cup with a a pair of goals, I think adds on to his confidence. And moving forward, keeps them in that top half of the table.
0: Yeah. Um, Okay, Everton versus Wolves up next. Yikes. Yeah, it's going to be a really ugly game. If I could just pick the under, I would. But instead, I'm going to take a flyer. I'm going to go with Wolves. Apparently, they're Whoa. intensely focused. They've got Julian Lopetegui there now, good coach. I think they can get a result here. I don't know why, but uh, maybe Gonzalo Cueyes will show up. Maybe they'll be able to get a win.
1: Yeah, it'll be much needed for them. They're definitely, they've been the bottom of the table here in 20th. Uh, on 10 points, a win will definitely take them to the top of the relegation zone. Everton right there in 17th on 14, only a point above the relegation zone. It's going to be intense for Lampard. His, he's, I think his, the odds race right now for the next manager to be sacked, he's number one or two. This is a much-anticipated game for Everton where it's all on the line, and their form at home hasn't been the best only scoring six goals uh, and conceding six. But uh, I'm going to go with a draw here. I think it's going to be like a nil-nil, no DCL, a uh, handful of injuries for Everton. Wolves, same deal in their attack. So it's going to be pretty boring, I think, like a nil-nil. If anything, there'd be one goal in it. And then Zach also is going with a draw.
0: Okay. Um, Up next, we have Aston Villa going up against Liverpool. The golden, <laughs> golden Glove winner, crazy to think, playing for Liverpool, going to be in between the sticks for them, or playing for Villa, going to be in between the sticks for them, going up against a Liverpool side who, you know, their marquee player didn't even play at this tournament. So I don't know. I have absolutely zero clue what to expect from Liverpool. Uh, I feel like I just haven't seen any of their players play for so long. They're in sixth right now. Villa are in 12th. I guess I'll take Liverpool, but it's not like, I don't know. I just feel like I haven't seen anything from or like about them, honestly. I know they're looking to buy some players, but I don't really know what to expect from them coming off this long break. I feel like it could be really bad, honestly.
1: Yeah, out of all the teams in the top six, Liverpool have the worst road road record. One win, two draws, and three defeats. Uh, opposite, they're they're phenomenal at home and Villa at home right now are superb. Four wins, one draw, and two defeats, only giving up six goals. Whereas Liverpool have only scored seven on the road. So I still think Liverpool's a weak point here. They they haven't put a great campaign together so far. Still without key guys in Jota and Diaz. Diaz news coming out, he's out for an additional three months. So we won't see him until February or even March, depending on any setbacks. So I'm going to go with a draw here and Zach as well as taking a draw.
0: All right, cool. Um, what is our next game? Is it Arsenal? It is Arsenal versus West Ham up next Arsenal without their talisman without Gabriel Jesus, but still I think probably poised for a victory here against a West Ham side who are just really struggling this season West Ham fought four losses in their last five. They're on 14 points in 16th place. Arsenal with four wins in their last five and a draw, 37 points top of the table, 5 points clear of City, 7 points clear of Newcastle. I'm going to take them to win this game and keep the momentum going. But I do think this is going to be it's going to be really tough, you know, 6 weeks for Arsenal here. Yeah, they're
1: super thin up front, as yeah. well as Reese Nelson also picked up an injury uh, in their latest friendly against Juventus. So they're saying he won't be out until mid-January. So you're going to have to go with Nketiah, Saka, and Martinelli. Uh, Smith-Rowe still is out as well. So you're only going to have uh, Marquinhos and Vieira as attacking subs going forward. So this is really where we're going to see the depth of this team and to see if they're serious about challenging for the title. Uh, west ham no kurt zuma he had knee surgery over the break uh crestwell's a game time decision so a bit of weakness in the back for them no skamaka and coordinator game time decisions as well but um yeah like you said west ham's been struggling this year and i think arsenal can nick one here so i'm gonna go with arsenal and zach as well as taking arsenal
0: okay and then your team i'll let you bring us into this one
1: Yeah, it's been an interesting break. We've seen um, Chowell and James and Fofana all making comebacks throughout the break. Unfortunate, um, Fofana in the most recent friendly picked up another knock, so he may be out for a little bit longer than we want. Stono and Golo, Loftus Cheek has picked up a knock. Uh, Broya tore his ACL. And uh, Mendy, I should say, isn't coming back with the best form from that World Cup. So the team overall is shaky. Um, We're going to need some sort of structure coming into this game against Bournemouth, who have really been flying this year for their standards. They're 14th on 16 points, Um, the goal differential holding them down. But that was a one-off game against Liverpool, and that was very early in the year. So they're strong counter-attack their physical up front in Solanke and billing um, when Kiefer Moore is fit and involved he's a nuisance for any back line but um Havertz scored a hat-trick in our recent friend- recent friendly against Brentford we won 5-1 hopefully that can take any sort of form and legs into this game so I'm going to stay true I'm going to take Chelsea here Zach as well as taking Chelsea Um, originally was going to take a draw, but I'm just hoping for that, that fever. It's like the start of a new season. So hopefully the players can come back with the fire in their bellies.
0: Yeah. I'm going to take Chelsea too. This Bournemouth side does not frighten me. Um, and I don't think it's possible that Chelsea perform all that poorly, uh, towards the end of the season here. I know they're in eighth. There's just no way in my opinion that they're going to end in that spot. I think we're going to see them up closer towards fifth. United, I don't know how they're going to look coming back. Same thing with Liverpool. And I do think Chelsea, you know, they have a chance here to sort of move into those uh, Europa League spots at least. Yeah, and
1: Bournemouth have only earned five points on the road this year.
0: Yeah, so we'll have to see. Uh, Okay, two more games. Manchester United versus Nottingham Forest. Uh, That's on Tuesday, December 27th. How do you feel about this one? Uh, Looking at the
1: stats, this is looking like it's going to be a throttling from United. Um, I've found a new website to use for stats. Uh, Nottingham Forest ranked last on the road. No wins, only two draws. They've only scored one goal on the road this year, conceding 19 times. And United at home have been very solid, only given up uh, one loss and a draw. So I think there's going to be a strong return for United especially with ronaldo off the books they get that drama out of the room and i think this could be of the biggest scoreline coming back we could see a classic boxing day like seven one five one type of day
0: all right i'll just go with united too you've convinced me there i thought maybe draw but i do think you're right united should should be able to get them here pretty easily
1: yeah and zach as well is taking united
0: okay um leeds united versus manchester city our final game of the week city who know i i cannot imagine what erling holland is going to look like in this game i am convinced that holland is just going to come out and look like he's 30 pounds heavier pure muscle he's grown a foot he looks like the terminator because we haven't seen him play in like a month now I th- I think City are going to absolutely fucking throttle Leeds.
1: Yeah, Zach and I also taking City. There's no noticeable injuries to anybody in the team. Nobody got hurt during the World Cup. Alvarez is coming back in high form. De Bruyne wants to get back into club form after a disappointing World Cup stage. Ederson um, is well rested, didn't play at all for Brazil. so They're going to want to throttle Leeds and it's a terrible match for Jesse Marsh to come back to. I mean, they've had five weeks, six weeks to prepare themselves, but Tyler Adams is not going to be available after his red card against Spurs. Um, we also definitely won't have Banford. He, he had a minor surgery at the start of December, so he'll be a game-time decision as well as no Sinister. So they're missing a lot of their key guys, and... Man City is feasting to close that gap to Arsenal. So, it's it's going to be a scary sight on uh on next Tuesday.
0: Yeah, that's certainly the truth.
1: Or Wednesday, I should say.
0: Yeah. That's everything, right?
1: Yeah, that was the last game.
0: All right. Cool. Um well, thank you guys for for listening. Thanks for spending your World Cup winter uh with us and we're excited to get back into the bread and butter back into the premier league NFL show should be out either tomorrow or Thursday. Uh, And then we got some Christmas festivities planned. So everybody enjoy your holiday. Uh, We'll wish you another happy holiday. Merry Christmas tomorrow when I do the NFL, but from us, from the, uh, from the football show, uh, you know, have a, have a fantastic holiday season. Hope you get everything you want. Uh, I'm glad that soccer's back for sure. So, Uh, take care. Make sure you check us out on social media, post 20 pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can find us, um, and all past episodes of the show on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple podcasts. Make sure to leave a review. We appreciate it and take care.